Hello and welcome to a European-esque edition of French Football Weekly, the podcast. Uh, my name is Chris, I am your host as usual. Don't worry, all of you domestic viewers and watchers, we will still be, well, it's the same thing isn't it really, we will still be covering the weekend's action uh, and we will be starting with that shortly. But uh, just keep in mind, if you're not a fan of Marseille, PSG or Rennes, um, then there isn't going to be so much as usual for you this week, I'm afraid. But stick with us, because, you know, we're nice and we like to keep you around. Uh, speaking of keeping you around, uh, Phil and Jess, I keep you around every week. Hello to you both. Hello. And uh, I mean that, of course, in the most complimentary way. That sounded awful and it made it, made it sound like I just drag you here every week. I promise I don't. Um, mm. Right. Sorry, Phil, go on. No, no, just... You, you, just gonna just gonna smirk that's fine um right we're gonna start with the weekend's action and then uh, work our way forward into the european games that we've uh, witnessed uh, we are recording this ahead of the europa league games obviously uh, that particular game at uh, leo's particular game in in, uh, in preference we, we haven't got the result of that yet so we can't talk about that but we'll cover that next week but uh, what we can do is look back at the weekend's results uh, which i shall give you and then we'll just have a look at some of the games dijon and ren opened up the weekend's weekend's uh, action on the friday that was the early game martin terrier's opener for ren his first goal for his new club but it wasn't enough as mama Belle, equalised for Dijon at the time. I believe that was top against bottom, I think I'm right in saying. Um, so there you go, these mm -hmm. things do happen. Uh, Neem and PSG, never a better opportunity for Neem to go and win at home to PSG, we said last week. Yeah, that didn't quite pan out, unfortunately, <coughs> for them. Uh, they were dispatched 4-0 by PSG, Mbappe with two, Florenzi, who was very good on the night, I have to say, and Pablo Sarabia also got on the score sheet. Uh, no small part to the dismissal of Londra after 12 minutes didn't really help. I was gutted, actually, because uh, I, it, it just killed the game completely. It um, did, and I mean, Baptiste Rene did a fabulous job of really trying to keep everything under control mm. um, in the, the Neem goal, but yeah, finally cracked, yeah. Um, sort of... Uh, about half half time, but uh, we also saw. I think it was debuts for Rafinha and Moise Keane. Yeah, the, the uh, former Rafinha was was pretty good, or whatever he's calling himself now. Mm. Uh, Raphael, yeah. I think, on his shirt. Yeah, yeah, and I think Moise Keane has has probably worked out pretty quickly that nobody's going to pass to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I noticed that. that as he well. was, was taking things on all himself. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought, um, yeah, I thought Rafinha did, did stand out. I thought he was very, very good. And uh, as you said, uh, Baptiste Rene, without him, it, it probably couldn't and would have been eight or nine. It was, it was uh, at one point, it was him versus Mbappe, which is quite amusing. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, no amusement for Nîmes as they uh, shelled out in the end. Uh, on Saturday, we had two games. Um, obviously, the standout game was Rams one, Lorient three. Obviously, uh, much needed win in all jokes aside for Policier's men. And uh, Pierre Pierre Yves Amel equalised Kasama's opener for round before Johan Wisser scored from the penalty spot four minutes later, and a new signing Moffi had uh, got the second. Oh, sorry, the third goal, the clinching goal, with ten minutes from time. Uh, Kamasa uh, Kasama, sorry, and uh, Donis was also sent off for Rouse, so they ended the game with nine men. Um, but yeah, much needed win that for Lorient. I was rather impressed, and they still have one of the best kits in Europe as far as that third kit goes. It's, it's delightful. Um, you you got you guys both mocked me when I said Bordeaux-Marseille might be worth a watch. Um, it ended 3-1 to Marseille Saturday night. I, I suppose, let me ask you on this one, Jez, I suppose it wasn't high 
caliber in fairness it wasn't like a high-end game but it was it was kind of entertaining wasn't it a 3-1 win a, a Tovan special doing what he does best Jordan Amavi with a goal and a sort of in, assist and the only thing he can do well yeah that, that would also we'll come on to that we'll come on to that but yeah um delicious goal but yeah it was a watchable affair wasn't it if, if you had a chance to take this one in uh yeah it was it was decent enough I mean the two low scoring teams you'd have put more money on a nil nil than a three one so nice to get four goals I guess but mm. um and yeah certainly I think probably Tovan and Marvi were the, were the standout players in the match um and it is great to see Marvi sort of you know in the last year or so back to decent form because um I did feel sorry for him the way his form dropped off and he was sort of the target of the Marseille fans mm. maybe the the lack of fans was helping him somewhat I don't know but um yeah, always, especially in in Liga. At times, your goals are at a premium, so nice to nice to have four goals. But in between that, I'm not sure the the quality was particularly high. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think that's probably fair. It kind of started in a fun way because what was the Tovin goal was like after five minutes, and then there was a penalty, and Costell saved it. And so we're thinking, oh, this looks this looks good, but um, it was. Uh, you know, I think it was a good result and it kept people happy. I've noticed, I don't know if you've seen today, the, the woman on Twitter who actually has the AVB handle um, tweeted after the match saying, oh, everybody seems pleased today. Clearly the other AVB has finally won a match. And it yeah. seems that she's now being um, uh, tr- got a bunch of Marseille fans trying to either explain to her formations and squad selections or just inviting her to come and watch a game because you know, they feel they feel bad about the confusion. So that's been quite amusing. I presume she's having a less pleasant day on social media today. Yeah, um, it's, the, it's the John Lewis all over again, isn't it? Uh, like you say, the uh, Marvin, that was from a token free kick as well, so we got an assist too. Yeah. And I can't quite remember who was closest to the own goal. Um, um, yeah, because Amavi flicked it on, didn't he? And, and yeah. um, uh, I think, I th- no, no, sorry, Amavi's flick on was from the free kick, and the Pablo and goal. I think, I think Amavi was closest. To, was closest to it? I'm trying to recall in my head, but it was a, it was a bit of a, it was one of those where it just kind of hit people rather than any sort of structure to it. Um, at a time when Marseille was sort of knocking on the door, I think that was the worst part about this game. Is is that that Bordeaux. I mean, without Koscielny, they look susceptible at the back. I mean, I suppose that's obvious to say because he's their key defender. But they just uh, they brought on Josh Mazur, who eventually scored and and looked better when he was on the pitch. I just thought it was a I don't know. I can't quite work out why they are being so defensive. I um, think they brought on Huang as well, and and he offered a little bit in the last ten minutes. It's just weird. It's just just a sort of a strange one why they they just refuse to attack seemingly. But yeah. Um, nevertheless, we thought. It was a good uh, preparation for Marseille for the week ahead, but um, yeah, more on that in a bit. Um, on the Sunday, we saw a couple of watchable games. Strasbourg 2, Lyon 3. Didn't quite see that coming. Um, Jez, we, we covered Lyon in depth last week, so I don't want to sort of go over old ground, but any more convinced by them this week? Because I, I wasn't. Kadawire scored, Toko Kambe, awful goalkeeping, by the way, for that Kadawire goal. Um, two goals from Toko Kambe, all three are assisted by Memphis Depay. Uh, Dial, we'll just scoot over that for, for your benefit, scored for Strasbourg, and Aluhu got the second one back. But they won 3-2, but again, like, to me, they were 3-0 up and cruising and then were hanging on for dear life at the end. Anything changed your mind about them? Um, 
Yeah, clearly the, there's still issues there. The fact that, as you said, they're clinging on. But I suppose, you know, the big problem so far this season is even when they've been playing OK, um, they haven't been able to score. So three goals away from home is positive. And Depay playing well is positive because he's looked so disinterested during the sort of closing stages of the transfer window. Um, and, you know, obviously it's... it's only to his advantage to play well until January and, and the next chance to, to move away and secure that, that move to Barcelona. Um, so I think, um, yeah, if he if he can sort of keep his head together and, and play as well as we know he can do, then that's going to be positive for Lyon. So certainly, the, yeah, the three assists and the three goals are positives, but there's definitely still issues there. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And Strasbourg just cannot catch a break at the moment. Uh, the, um, the the worst news possible for you was confirmed with uh, with Metz's uh, injury ticker, shall we say, over the week. And it's confirmed the end was out. But uh, Getz got goal for you at least. And uh, that was an equaliser for Mangani's penalty. So Talking about a nice third kit. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, it's the first time we've worn it, isn't it? I think this season, I think I'm right saying. Or is it second? Second, the blue one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Nice kids. So kick watch. But a uh, good, good point that for Mets away from home. Um, overall, I would suggest, um, albeit only saw the highlights of this one. Yeah, no, I'm definitely happy with that considering um, it's just nice to see someone else on the score sheet as well. Yeah, and after but, the week you've had as well. The, the one thing is that there's a couple of um, young players, obviously from Generation Foot, who look quite talent. There's uh, Yad who didn't start, a lot of people thought he would. And the other one is, is Lamine Gay, who everyone was expecting to... Um, he was meant to go on loan, I think, to Paris FC. Mm. And um, it fell through on deadline day just because of some stupid administrative thing. Someone forgot to plug the facts in or whatever. Um, and it turned out he started and was man of the match. So it might be one of those sort of lucky... Unexpected uh, diamonds, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, you do find into that. I, I sort of remember that's how how we discovered Francis Coquelin could play football just by actually, you know, giving him a game once upon a time. So, yeah, yeah. It's um, hope for the future, I guess, is is that one. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, a point away from home is is never a, a bad thing. Uh, speaking of which, Phil, your Montpellier got a point away from home at Monaco yeah. despite playing the majority of the game, in fact, pretty much 80 minutes with uh, with 10 men. Sorry, 70 minutes with 10 men. Savanier was sent off, who'd have thought? Yeah. And uh, Mavididi, speaking of Arsenal, former Arsenal trainee, got the uh, the opener before we send Ben Yedda got the penalty to equalise. I thought Omlin was very good in goal for Montpellier. And yeah, uh, yeah point, point decent result given the circumstances. It, it is, it is, looking at it kind of objectively. But it, it was, given that they held on mm. until the 70th minute, having played from the 20th minute with with 10 men uh, and being, you know, a goal up away from home, it really felt like, oh, come on, you know, lads, hold hold on, hold on, hold on. And then, yes, um, Ben Yedder and I have one disallowed earlier in the, the game. Yeah. Um, which obviously made everybody very nervous because at that point, if Monaco had been a man and a goal up, could have been very, very different, but that was chalked off. So, yeah, Mavi Didi got his debut goal, but then Ben Yedda got the, the penalty late on. So, yes, it is a good point, but it still feels like, you know, that could have been a really uh, a really um, great result. What I think was very uh, worrying before the match was that about 
eight members of the playing playing squad had been tested positive for COVID. It turned out when they did the, the second test that the majority of them were false positives um, or we would have been minus our entire defence, um, yeah. including Omlin. So uh, that was that was a bit of a, again, a sigh of relief when, when that news came out and we saw an actual, you know, starting 11 hit the field. So, yeah. yep, good point. Mm. Yeah, it's um it, these these tests still a bit bitter about it. Today. Yeah, understandable. And as you say, to hang on, I was, I was sort of keeping close close tabs on this one. They did hang on bravely for long periods, and then ultimately succumb to that penalty. But this whole testing thing is is starting to become a bit of a um, well, I mean, it's it's a regular thing for all clubs now. But we're getting so many of these sort of is he isn't he situations, including you know with the testing and and whatnot. It's it's must cause the clubs an awful lot of problems, not just in match days but the planning for match days you know who is going to be available who isn't how do we you know you, you build your tactics around players all week and then you're told they might be and they might not be available it must be an absolute nightmare for clubs so yeah particularly in France it seems to be happening a lot more week on week but um, nevertheless a 1-1 draw we uh, we also saw not um, back onto winning ways uh, Colo with the opening goal and uh, Ludwig Blas with the second before Fev, who else got one back for Brest and uh, Bamba with the third for Nantes. Um, he's kind of um, just very briefly on on Nantes player that's sort of impressing me actually. Colo Mawani from his full name just looks something about him. I don't know what it is. Have either of you watched much of him or seen much of him this season? Well, so I'm, a bit I'm into the France under twenty ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, looks bright. I think that might be his first goal. Yeah, sure. yeah. But um, if funny within the under twenty ones, actually, obviously Edouard's been on amazing form recently. But the last few years, they've arguably centre forward has been the the one position that's been a little bit weak. Mm. Um, I mean, Haller was there for a while, and I still think he's massively overrated um so it's nice to see someone up there who's yeah he's, he's bright kind of digs in drops deep to just um you know isn't afraid of of coming to get the ball and do something with it so yeah hopefully i'll have a good season i mean not certainly could do with a reliable goal scorer as yeah well. yeah that, that was my first thought yeah you've seen him a bit as well phil so not that on... much because they tend to get in the stuck in the multiplex most mm. weeks so I watch the multiplex then of course all you get to see is the goals the fouls the vars and the the cards yeah so um that was the first I his name he come up a, a couple of times but uh, it is as, as Jez said not really could do with someone a, a bit sparky mm. um to to get things moving forward because they you know Ludovic Blas is Ludovic Blas but there's a certain solidity and stolidity there that isn't perhaps the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah. So nice for them to get, you know, a, a really good home win. Yeah. Um, and Brest are, you know, mid-table as well. So things are, they, they weren't picking off a minnow there by any means. No, no, absolutely not. And uh, <clears throat> I'm for, for Brest is that um, I think they've, they've made some good signings in the summer and Fev looks a real player, but... Mm. Um, I don't know if they've really got anyone to, to replace Diallo in midfield and yeah. I think that might be a bit of a loss 
key spot as well, isn't it? That that kind of area for, for teams, yeah. particularly sort of middle middle table teams or teams that are fighting to sort of keep their status up. But um, yeah, we will keep a keep a close eye on on them and uh, and indeed Colomarne, who was also uh, born in Bondi. Uh, only we could find a striker that was born there that did quite well. Anyway, moving on. Um, we also saw the, probably the two biggest games of the weekend in terms of score lines and uh, and in terms of performances. Nice got a 3-1 win away at St Etienne. Pierre-Lise Moulou taking advantage of pretty poor goalkeeping from Jesse Muller and Amin Guiri got his and uh, Nice's second and uh, it was a Maulida with a late third after Alshisha pulled one back for St Etienne. Uh, good win this for Vieira's men, probably needed in the circumstances. Their form has been a bit patchy of late. Um, Phil, I think you wanted just to mention St Etienne in this. Well, yeah, I, more, more of a question than an observation. It's just, I was watching that game and they just look very flat. Now there were some half-time changes which seemed to get things back under control a certain amount um, and that's when they got the goal back uh, right until right at the death when Marlida um, took advantage of some space while they were obviously going for an equaliser but the first half was really just not very good and I know that obviously last season was an absolute shambles. So it may just be that I'm remembering that and getting nervous about them unnecessarily, given that their three losses on the bounce have been to Ren, Lance and Nice, who were all in the top five. Um, but firstly, I couldn't work out how the hell that last season thing happened. And whatever that was, have they done anything to address it? Because there's not been that much movement. You can't say they've lost key players, brought others in, but it just feels really... I think probably this is because I'm. it's all uh, kind of tainted by finishing 17th last time, but mm. I just feel a little bit nervous about them. I don't know if I'm being paranoid or not. What do you think? Jess? Um, I think it's bizarre because they started the season really well and then mm. the last few matches they've lost for them. But uh, they're playing mess next, so they should get Pato winning ways this weekend. Um, but no, I think that there's a big difference in playing staff, huge difference. Obviously, uh, Ruffier being replaced by Moulin, who generally I think has, has done really well since he's come in, although there was some comedy goalkeeping um, at the weekend. To be fair, Benitez kind of... Um, did his best to, to sort of take some of the attention away from Mouna. Um And then you've got, you know, players like Mvila, Budabuz, Kasri, who've, who've kind of been chucked out. And so it's, yeah, there's big changes in the squad. It's a much, much, much younger squad. So I think there's, there's inevitably going to be some sort of growing pains. Um, you know, the, you've got the, the three centre-backs who started, one's 18, One's not that much more experienced and, and was shipped off on loan to, to Middlesbrough last year. And the other one, I think it's his, his first match since, since joining the club. Um, up front, you've got Crasso, who was always going to be it's a, quite a bizarre risk that they, they, they signed him sort of from the third tier on the back of, a, of his part in a giant killing, I think against them maybe, in, in the Coupe de France. So mm. um, I'm... 
I suppose there's reason to worry just because when you're investing a lot in in a squad of kids, um, you know, Alan Hansen <laughs> wasn't entirely wrong that, that it, it is a risk because you don't know how they're going to perform, how they're going to deal with pressure situations, um, you know, fitness-wise, whether they can last it out the whole season or whatever. Um, but I think they probably should be okay. Um, but I think you've got to look at it as a transition year or even a couple of years. Um, and, you know, especially, for example, losing for fun at the last moment of the of the transfer window, which which Puel basically said they they basically had to do money-wise, otherwise they'd have been in serious trouble. So even though they were maybe preparing for it much earlier than than their sort of public pronouncements about not wanting to sell him suggested, um, that's still a lot of disruption, loss of probably, you know, your most important defender and whatever you say about the form of the players themselves, losing the experience of people like Ruffier, Kasri, Boudouz, um and Villa in, in, one, in one go is going to affect the team. Um, but I guess the idea is, well, form-wise, they were all a bit in and out. They were all maybe a little bit too much influence, not always positive in the changing room. So on, on balance, it's worth, that, worth taking that risk. And I think they'll probably be okay, but I'm certainly I'm not necessarily expecting a sort of bump to the Champions League or anything like that. No, I think it was more. Uh, it was, sorry, someone's drilling in the background. Um, it was more the the changes that, in a sense, there were no big changes before last season. So how they tumbled from fourth to seventeenth seemed very strange. And then, as you say. It's, kind of less been about transfers and more been about personalities it sounds like some of the changes this time so yeah I'm just a bit nervous about them and yeah, um, yeah we'll things watch going with interest on. yeah so things are going on behind the scenes almost if Mets stick six past them then we'll know there's a problem yeah yeah I mean when you lose your you know your, your prime goalkeeper and essentially ostracise him from the squad that doesn't help um, but yeah I, I think Jess pretty much nailed my feelings on it in, in terms of how I see it and I, I don't know I just we all got excited when they started the season well and, and were scoring a couple of goals and then it went off a cliff um, so yeah it, it's not not ideal I tell you what one thing that did very quickly perk my ears up the other day I had no idea Remy Cavella had joined uh, wherever he joined and I saw that pop up Chris, the day. yeah Chris, I had no idea no idea he was there all last season he started it well and then did his ligaments I honestly had no idea. I knew it's one of those weird ones. I knew he'd left St Etienne, but I just didn't know where he'd gone. If you know what I mean, it's it one of those a transfers. Slightly just... strange move, I felt. Given mm. but money, he's... maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's been pinged about all over the place. Obviously, Newcastle being involved there, but you know, Montpellier to Marseille, Saint Etienne. I know that it seemed strange that he would leave the top five leagues, but maybe you know, he's, I still have my rose tinted glasses and 2012 was a while ago. So, mm. you know, but unfortunately he didn't make it over for the Champions League game because he tested positive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not ideal. Um, but um, yeah, nevertheless, a good, a good win for, for Nice, we should say. And uh, let's say a lot of eyes are on them in, in terms of this needs to be the season that they need to kick on. And speaking of kicking on, uh, do we have a title race in France this year? Probably still a bit early to say that, I think. But Lille are, are definitely making it 
their business to, to suggest that there is one. They won 4-0 in the Derby du Nord on Sunday night. Um, this was very much a destruction job. Uh, I know Jez found this really difficult to watch and you know, really did struggle to deal with this. It was a testing time for him. <laughs> Kappa. But uh, yeah, 4-0, it was a destruction job, really. Lance, I was really disappointed. They just didn't offer anything from the minute Burak Yilmaz put Lille in front after 11 minutes. Um, Jonathan Bamba, who I, I love. I just think he's a really, really talented young player and I'm really glad he's kicking on. He, he had a really good night. He got the second, Ikone and Yazici coming on as subs, both scoring. Uh, to further put the pressure on Jonathan David. Kone is the Bondi-born striker you were referring to earlier. Of course, yeah, naturally. I mean, who else would I have been, been mentioning, obviously? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that those two goals puts pressure on, on Jonathan David a little bit more as well because he's still yet to get off the mark and um, had a spectacular shot that I think went out for a throw-in at one point in this game. I feel for him because I do think there's goals there, but he hasn't quite found it yet. Lance um, massively not helping themselves by being the second team of the week. Yeah. They're down to nine men. I had a very underappreciated tweet in this game uh, when, <laughs> when Michelin was sent off and I said he's very much not the Michelin man and, and nobody nobody cared. So I just want to shout that out. But yeah, his tackle was horrendous. Um, Jonathan Grady was... I uh, don't think either of his tackles were horrendous, but they were both really stupid challenges and he was sent off for two bookables. Uh, and that was all she wrote for Lance. Um, do, either, do either of you, and, and by all means, if you just want to sort of say yes for dramatic effects, just so that we can keep people excited, do either of you think Lille can, can push people PSG this season is is this is this their time? I mean, they do look good under Garcia, and they they do look like a a side that even if they got injuries, that squad to me looks like it's capable of kicking on. And and they've done it again with Botman coming in. He looks really good. Having sold on Gabriel, I sort of had my concerns at back, but him and Fonte look really good as a partnership. Do, do yeah. either of you have? Do, Why do you believe? not? Why That's not? Good enough. That's good enough for me. Oh, the, the thing is, what as like you said, they look like kind of a cooperative unit. Um, which is possibly one thing that we, we have our doubts about in PSG. And, you know, they haven't got, um, uh, you know, Ben have got their, their European distraction. So, you know, I think if they can just keep it, keep it solid and, and um, you know, integrate some of these, as you say, alternatives, then it's going to give them strength and depth which, as we've mentioned, with not just injuries, but the whole COVID thing and God knows what else, um, could be could be useful. So, you know, you can see them sticking up there. They are the best defence in the league. At the moment. Exactly. Yeah, that's and the only thing, two conceded. Mm. Um, obviously, that will drop it or rise at some point, but they put themselves in a really good place after seven games and need to... Keep at it, I think, and and see where it takes them. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you believe, Jess? Do you, are you are you on on the hype train as well, or are you a little bit more reserved about what's happening? I think they'll they'll keep up their end of the bargain. If PSG, you know, perform at seventy five percent for the whole season, they'll win the league easily. Mm. Um, I, I I don't. I think Lille will have a solid season. I doubt, I doubt their form will drop off, but. Obviously, they will drop points here and there. Um, I think so. I think it's just a question of how well or badly or motivated um, PSG are. It will obviously come to them in, in European context, but I think a lot of the issues there could actually spread into into league as well. Um, so I think yeah, it depends on sort of how healthy they are 
it's always going to be theirs to lose. But um, I think I don't think Lille are going to sort of collapse anytime soon. No, no, agreed. Well, we'll definitely keep close tabs on them. And as you say, they've got a European game in Prague to play tonight. So see how that possibly affects their form in, in domestic situations, because obviously they've got to juggle that squad a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one to watch. And um, And if they do continue to kick on um you'll probably uh, be be wanting to keep a close eye on a certain a gibney's tweets or not as the case may be whichever you prefer because i'm sure he'll be loving life bless him um right let's get on to the european action then and uh we'll start with the positives uh who do i go to here i, I feel like i should go to <coughs> phil on this one what match do you go to? well I was, I was gonna start with the positives Congrat- of which congratulations to ren That's yeah but champions it- league game Yes. Got a point. We won't yeah. talk about how frustrating it was that they conceded an equaliser. I feel like we should. I feel like we should because it, it was, it it was, was massively it? frustrating. Um, you looked at it; they were really, really um, up and at them. Um, Garassi got the goal shortly after half time from the penalty spot, but they were out shooting Krasnodar. They got seven on target to three. Um, they brought on. Doku, yeah, later on for his his debut, and boy, he looks he he looks a prospect. Um, just win win work and crosses, and holding off uh, some fairly robust attention from some of the Krasnodar uh, midfielders as well. So it was, I think, very frustrating that sort of almost immediately after the penalty, I think their lead lasted three minutes before we were. Ramirez got the equaliser and then they were just pounding away uh, for the last half hour and couldn't get a breakthrough. I know our friend Bastian uh, is uh, very frustrated by this, but taking the positives, they got a point. It was their first game. They actually had a decent crowd in. This Doku looks like a really exciting prospect for them to, to get behind. So, you know... These things happen. Um, and I think the fact that obviously this looked like the game in this group that they would, you know, need to win um, because Chelsea and Sevilla are the other teams. But uh, given what they managed between themselves, it doesn't actually seem to have mattered that much. So, you know, they've everybody's, everybody's drawn. So uh, we'll just have to see what they see what they do in there in the next game but mm. I think again it's a it's a good point they would have wanted more they deserved more but mm. um, you know it was a, a they are the only ones to get a point so yeah I'm, I'm, contingent. so well done Lance for I'm not uh, as positive black. about it no you shock me <laughs> well no I mean no, I, no, I, I agree, really I agree with most of what Phil said but the bottom line is this was easily the on paper, the easiest the match, match. Yeah. of the group stage. It's yeah. not like Krasnodar are these sort of superpower. <laughs> yeah, the European stalwarts or anything like that. So, um, yes, it's their first Champions League match, but still playing at home against Krasnodar, I still think they should be expected to win that one. Yeah. And they were the better team they had chances but I wouldn't say it was a bombardment and I wouldn't say it was sort of you know Krasnodar's keeper having a a worldie or anything like that there were chances that they should have put away 
And yeah, yeah, there are positive. Doku, we know he's going to be a very good player. Kamavinga and, and Zonzi both look classy in midfield, etc. But I think they, they should have done more. And it's not unfortunate that they conceded three minutes after scoring. It's cliche, but that's often when that's teams are vulnerable and you should, yeah. Mm. So I think it's two points dropped. And there's frustration because if you're the better team and you're having those chances, yeah, you're, you can be frustrated and say we were the better team, therefore we deserve to win. But you know, you have to you take did. those chances. Yeah. They did, and and um, I'm never sure when the other match is a is a draw whether that's good or bad. Whether it's better to sort of let one team kind of run away with it, and then you know have more of a chance of getting second and third place, or as you said, sort of everyone is now you know the one 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 match gone and everyone's still level. I don't know, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it only it looks a better result in the context of the PSG and Marseille results, but actually I think it's, it's yes, they're not playing each other, so yeah, <laughs> and, and, so yeah, I admit that's part of and, my and Chelsea and my... Sevilla, as you said, they drew nil nil, but it almost had the the feel of a game where they they almost came together at the start of the game and went, well, look, we're probably going to go through, so we'll play this one out, we'll beat the other teams to see where we end up. I'm not, you know, of course it didn't actually happen, but it felt that way, and you feel that Ren. <clears throat> yes, on their day, they could beat Sevilla or Chelsea at home. Yeah, of course they could. But they could also go away to Sevilla next, which they do. And they ah. could go away to Chelsea in two weeks, which they do, and get heavily beaten. And then, you know, pressure is on. I, I mean, I can, I think they're an exciting team and a couple of players who are so talented that I can see them springing a surprise or two in other matches. Yeah. I can also see it being a little bit like Lille last year, where they'll end up with practically nothing and actually the performances will have been a lot better than the, the points tally suggests. Mm. But considering those other two teams, you, you really need to start with a win at home against Krasnodar. Yeah, momentum is a big thing, isn't it? That, that's the other thing. If you first game, you want to get off with good momentum, which nicely, Jez, brings us to Marseille. Um, before we help ourselves into the, the, the sort of the disaster course of the evening, they lost to Olympiacos one nil um, with a, a very late winner from Hassan, who I think was on loan last season, so he, he's only just come back to Olympiacos. Um, I sat through the entire ninety minutes. I'm still in therapy. It, it's tough. I'm finding things difficult today. All jokes aside, um, it wasn't good. It really wasn't good. I didn't think. Now it has to be said sort of caveat Marseille missed two very good chances I know this will shock our listeners but Benedetto was at the heart of, of certainly one of them um, he really needs to just have a break I think things are not going well for him uh, Toman sort of looked bright um, as bright as me dropping the keyboard it, it sort of parts he looked bright by it I thought was just on the periphery the whole game and and Marseille they just didn't seem to defend particularly well some really really strange decision-making uh, at the back and they just didn't look secure. What did you, what was your take on it and, and where does this leave them? Because again, first game defeat, it's not great, is it? I still think part of the problem with, with Marseille is that they massively overachieved last year mm. and shouldn't really be in the Champions League, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. It's not a Champions League ready squad. And obviously, they weren't able really to to strengthen during the summer. Although one of the players they did bring in, Pat, Pat Gay, was probably their best player last night. Um, the, the the thing is that they're, they're they're sort of quite 
they're a solid team. They're decent enough defensively. Mondonda being back since the start of last season, back to, to his best form is, is huge for them and is definitely helping them um, win points here and there and probably help them stay in the match last night for a while as well. Mm. Um, but apart from that, there's, yeah, there's, there's not that much creativity. Um, there isn't a reliable goal scorer, as you alluded to with Benedetto. And there's a, basically all the onus is on Payet and, and Tovan to do something. Tovan, I'm not necessarily his, his biggest fan, but um, I still think after a whole season out, you've got to give him a little bit of patience. I think he's probably still finding his way a little bit back into, um, you know, one or even two, two, two matches a week. Payet, I just I have absolutely no respect for whatsoever. You know, that he can that well. raise his game for... Sorry? You controlled yourself well there. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, you know, he can, greatly. He, he raised himself for PSG and wherever some other man. Oh, Lyon, European Champions. He raised himself for a few minutes, scored, and mm. then got sent off. Um, but he's sort of turning into Patrice Ever. I think I've said that before. But he's turning into Patrice Ever, and that he's kind of feels like he's he's concentrating more on his social media game and his trolling and. Um, than and his food by the looks of it than than his football and it, it's we sort of used it as a as a, a bit of an excuse for Ren but same in Marseille it's really not an experienced Euro- team European wise at all but the one player that does or should have a bit of experience if not in European competitions certainly on the international stage it and having played abroad is Payet and so. He, this should have been a match for him to kind of step up and lead the way. And I thought he was a disgrace that he shows no effort. I mean, we'll get onto PSG to, to talk about a whole team doing that, but no effort, no willing, no interest, no heart, nothing. And at least at PSG, each player can kind of say, well, look, he's a, he's a, a world star. He can do it instead. Payet should be looking around and saying, this is my team. And if I'm as good and big and loud and um, arrogant as um, I portray myself as, then, I, you, you know, I need to walk the walk as well. And, and he didn't at all. Need to show it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel the same. I, you know, I and by the way, it was completely shown up by a 36-year-old ex-master oh, player. Yeah, oh, I agree. No, I agree. Was... He, did. he looked good, didn't he? He did look good. Um, looked lively that throughout. Wise, that was lovely, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Payet um, frustrates me, and you know, much like Tova, I, I love a mercurial uh, winger or number ten. I really do. But they also frustrate me because you look at them and you just think, well, they've got all this talent. Why not do more? Um, and, and this is by no means a, a plug, um, and it won't interest everybody. But I've just finished uh, reading and listening to. Uh, well, I say reading. I, I'm not going to. I did listen. It was the audio book. Um, Nicholas Bentner's autobiography, and most people probably go, "What? Why?" But it's a fascinating tale that I can only imagine would sort of almost mirror Dimitri Payet's, obviously not on success levels, Payet's well in front, but the off the pitch type of routine that Bentner discusses and the things that he he got up to, shall we say, um, during his career. I feel that same with, with players like Payet, where you just think, you know, are they going to look back in 10 years and go, 
I could have done so much more. And and if and there's one line in the book where they say that he, in in sort of training, um, there's there's so many players, and he he says that he trained with other players like this, where it would frustrate younger players because they would look up to players like Bayet, for example, in this case, and would see how much talent he had, and would essentially say, well, you you're not. You know, you've got all this talent, but you're not putting it to, to good use. So that that's that's the frustration I have with him. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it, it is a defeat for Marseille. And would it would even a nil nil draw have been great? I'm not sure. But uh, they didn't get a nil nil draw, so it is what it is. And Payet and Co will need to step up for their their next games moving forwards. Um, speaking of stepping up, we we now have to address the the rather large elephant that's cowering in the corner once again I feel like it does it most weeks but it's doing it again this week and that's PSG oh crikey where to start um they lost 2-1 to Manchester United at home um the performance for me was gutless spineless um, a lack of motivation seemingly which I found bizarre there was no tactical acumen at all they just didn't seem to know what to do um, it felt like a team that just assumed they would turn up and win because Manchester United are also awful. Well, here's a newsflash, PSG. <laughs> you didn't win. <sighs> Where do I begin? Phil, what, what was your thoughts on, well, on this? I mean, when you look at the the scores, as it, it, it's not just 2-1. It's firstly a penalty, which now I say it's the original, but then there had to be a retake. So there's a penalty, an own goal, is your kind of contribution to the score sheet. And then an 87th minute winner from the UK's next prime minister. It's like, it didn't fill you with a great deal of confidence, even in defeat, as it were. You know, you can have, oh, so-and-so played well and, and there were shots and it was a great goal from somebody or other. But apart from Navas was very good in the second half, trying to kind of keep things under control. And I thought, Danilo was on debut and he looked decent, mm. but um, Mbappe came very close early on in the second half, but and then they got the own goal um, shortly after that, which was absolute classic. But it was, yeah, the word that I've got written down here is vague. Mm. I don't know if that helps. I think I know what you mean. I think yeah. I know what you mean. Um, Jess, do you want to expand on, on vague? I mean, the U, I, I don't know if you watched this on UK TV. I did, and, and the predictable, lazy uh, discussion was held about, you know, French football and competing in leagues and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but PSG are not helping with this, are they? And they, they, just, looked, they just looked a shell of that team that, that sort of did ultimately stumble but did seem to beat a mental lapse last year what what was your thoughts on the performance I think you felt as strongly as I did watching it well I said that um, Marseille massively overachieved last year and so it's sort of unfair that in a way that to judge them on that PSG I've said it before and I just feel more and more strongly about it it was not a good Champions League run last year they I mean they got to the final it was a good run but it was a flattering run um, and, you know, they were 30 seconds or whatever from possibly losing to Atalanta. And probably if they'd lost that match, it would have given a more fair reflection of where the team and the squad and the club are 
um, and um, particularly with some of the egos involved in that that team, maybe that would have been the best thing for them. And getting through to the Champions League final is the worst thing for them. Um, in their defence, to, to sort of get that over and done with, first of all, they they did have some some big injury. They have got some big players out through injury. But even then, I think that sort of touches on some of the issues there. Um, they massively miss Marquinhos because he's their best midfielder, their best defender, and their only leader. Yep. They massively they miss Verratti, but he's always missing, either because of injury or suspension. And so I think they should have hooked him a couple of years ago. And their PSG, they're owned and bankrolled by a super state, even if they've got two or three injuries. The fact that they don't have any decent players to cover for those injuries is it's just a, a big indictment on the way the club is being run and has been run for a while. So for me, that there's two issues. Firstly, just to get it over and done with off the pitch, I've said before, I, I think Leonardo is a fraud. And I think Al Khalifi, he's obviously not going to leave, is a spot brat who knows fuck all about football. And as long as he's there and he's never going to leave, um, I don't think they've got a chance of being run, cause, run well. Because I don't really think he knows what he's doing, apart from sticking his hand in his, his wallet. Um, I think he's starstruck by some of his own players. Um, and uh, so I think there's there's faults off the pitch. I think the Leonardo Tuchel issue is huge. And even though I think players should be to blame for that, for what I'm about to say, sorry, um, whenever you know that a coach is leaving, whether it's because they've announced or it's just obvious and an open secret or whatever, players stop playing for them. Yeah. I think that's wrong of players. They're professionals. They shouldn't do that. But it's the way it is. It just seems palpably obvious that unless they win the Champions League, Tuchel is going. It looks like you know Leonardo is looking for an excuse to get rid of him earlier if possible. And when the two of them are bitching in publicly, the players are not stupid and they're going to see that. So I don't think the players are playing for Tuchel either. And I thought his comments after the match were bizarre, kind of saying... Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, Phil said vague. He basically said weird. Um, and he was kind of criticising the players for but for things that, as manager, he should have been on top of already. Himself, yeah, exactly. And, and he was saying, you know, the atmosphere was a bit too calm before the match and there wasn't any music pumping out. And even at half-time, no one was really speaking. And um, there, there's there's lots wrong there, but it's all stuff that's been wrong for years. And then on the pitch, again, it's the same things. Yeah, Navas did well. The defence was solid enough. Um, but again, Marquinhos was out. So they had to bring in Diallo, who we talk, mentioned his brother earlier. I think his brother is in a different class to him. I, I don't particularly rate Abdu Diallo. Um, you've got Kazawa, who came, it was Kazawa or backer or toss toss up for who would play left back but neither of them to me are in the same class as Bernat yeah right back you've got Ferenzi but he's a bit, still a bit of a newbie then you've got this midfield that yes again there's elements missing but again it shows how important Ferrati is 
but how flawed everything there is if you're relying on someone who's always either injured or suspended as your only creative midfielder. So you've got three workaday midfielders there. It could have been a couple of others. Yeah, they're all fine, but none of them are anything that special. None of them are going to necessarily win you the Champions League. Certainly none of them are going to create goals to win the Champions League because they're all more kind of sitters. None of them are going to burst through and break a line and turn up on the edge of the area or something like that. So there's a massive gap between the midfield and the attack. And then for the attack, Di Maria was non-existent. You can use maybe as a sort of defence that he's been out for a while because he's been suspended since the Marseille match, but then that's his fault. And then Neymar and Mbappe, all the same kind of thing. It just seems that everyone's worked out with Neymar. Kick him a little bit more than usual in the first 10, 15 minutes. And if the first couple of flicks don't pay off, he's going to completely forget about playing football and just concentrate on the rolling around and the moaning. It worked, I can't remember what previous match, we talked about it a lot, but it worked again in this one. Um, He's, defenders of his will say, it's not his fault, he has to do everything, he has to drop back and then pop up at the other end as well. Um, Critics of his will say, he needs to stop trying to do everything himself. And then his defenders will say, he's got no choice, he's got nothing else around him. Mm. But then ironically, you've got Mbappe, who thinks he's Neymar and is also trying to do everything. Whereas, like we were talking about last week, what he does best is what he did against Nîmes, which was superb. Two great balls and him running onto them, out sprinting everyone, brilliantly rounding the keeper and slotting home. Again, there's no shame in just being a very, 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 very good striker. Um, you know, people keep comparing him to the original Ronaldo. It's not a bad person to be compared to and aspire to be. Why do you need to try to be Ronaldinho as well? Mm. So I wish he'd concentrate on that. I wish the two of them would stop concentrating on each other and remember that there are nine other players in their team. Um, the other, th- the one thing in Mbappe's defence is why the hell was he playing 175 minutes last week? Yeah, okay, France, the PSG will say, well, we probably wouldn't have wanted him to play 90 minutes to France, fine. But did he, okay, the, the last three goals were all late, but do you really need to play 85 minutes against Nîmes, the 10-man Nîmes? It's ridiculous. So on the pitch, off the pitch, there's so, so much wrong with that PSG team. And I don't think whether everyone's, you know, scratching their heads and going, but, you know, only six weeks or two months ago, they are in the Champions League final. That was the outlier, not this. Mm. And that's and that's the first thing that everyone turns to, isn't it? Because those who don't follow French football, that will be the thing they'll look at. Well, they were in the Champions League final. Um, and just quickly, because I know we are conscious of time this week, but um, PG um, knows... Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say that, I was talking about Tuchel, but the attempt he made at half-time to do something about what wasn't working by taking mm. Gay off and, and bringing Keane on for his second uh, lesson in not being past it. Um, actually, um, moving kind of to a four-four-two actually made things worse because it was more like a four-two-four. Mm. Um, that you had even less midfield helping out, and that pulled other people out of place. I think we need to say, um, you know, a tip of the hat to uh, Wambasaka for Man U who did a nice job on 
smothering some of the, uh, the the limited amount of attacking intent. And also, wouldn't you just know it? This was the game that David De Gea decided to be decent. <laughs> to again, be good again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think was slightly frustrating and couldn't really have been predicted. So, you know, the worst. There were, there were some uh, kind of obviously uh, interesting spots on the Man U side to win this match rather than just PSG losing it. But, mm. yeah. Just also, I, just, I still do think, and I think, look at Man City yesterday and the very dodgy penalty and very dodgy free kick they got. I, I do think there are, I don't know how to put it without sounding like a conspiracy theorist. But I'm but sure yeah, there's anyway. some teams that it suits everyone to do well and others not so much. And mm. I still think PSG are not welcome at the top table. And I don't, you know, I think they've conceded more penalties than any other team in the Champions League in recent years. I, going back through all of them, I'm sure there's some dodgy ones there. Certainly that the what the one that Man United got a couple of years ago, I think, is extremely debatable at best. And in this match as well, you know the. The Navas thing, I loved all the English people taking pleasure on Twitter. Rules are rules, you know. He did step off the line. Can you imagine if the, if the boot had been... Hilarious. yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think PSG had a, a couple of very decent penalty shouts as well that were waved away and not even looked at again. So not, not everything was of their own doing, but I do think there's some sort of endemic problems there. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do enough to justify saying we deserve to win the game. We've been robbed, kind of thing. There wasn't enough, and the tactical acumen in, in like game that one stuff. two years ago. It wasn't a penalty, but they should never have been in that position. In the no, game. no, agreed, agreed. And um, just look at as, as well as the, the halftime changes. Seven, they brought Keen on the gay. After that, subs were Dagba on, Rafinha on, Sarabia on, Baka on. There wasn't the. There wasn't a great sense of. Oh, this could be a changing change. Yeah, you didn't so, feel like that. Whereas, did you? you know, Man, you bring Pogba on, and I know everybody's got their views on Pogba, but you know, seeing him loping onto a pitch is pretty intimidating, and yeah. that was something that because I think PSG, as Jess says earlier, they play in back because they feel they have to. It means that you don't have the people on the bench that you can bring on to change something if it's not working. Exactly. So yeah, you don't depth. have that sense of, you know, somebody can come on and make a difference. And because they're all supposed to be difference makers from the from the beginning, so which leaves you a bit stuffed if if that's not working. Yeah. So I thought it was a sign that Tuchel appears to be looking more and more exasperated by the week. Mm. Um, so we'll just have to see what other... Um, arguments and, and bitching yeah. and, um, uh, off off camera briefings take place after this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't doesn't fill me with um, Tuchel. Never really inspires me. I feel like there's a touch of Emery about him again, which is not good for PSG. Um, I don't just, disagree, but it's not his team at all. No, no, that's that is fair. Yeah, that that's that's completely fair but point to me. If you're that smart, you should. It's you knew I was a snake when you picked me up kind yeah, of well, yeah. situation. It's like nobody's going to walk into the PSG job thinking, oh, well, I'm in charge. Yeah. yeah. So, what it, in a sense, what are you expecting? You're, you're obviously backing yourself to think, well, I can make a difference here. But, you oh, know, yeah. all evidence suggests, you know, yeah, 
not. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to wrap up, I'll just give a, a very not, a quick nod to the, um, the sort of points or questions that we had come in um, at BFTB Football. Uh, just made the point that PSG were bad, Tuchel got it wrong, there was cause of concern, but with Verratti, Marquinhos missing as well as Icardi, Paredes and Draxler, that's half their side, not as bad as uh, not as bad as being made out. Tuchel and Leonardo clashes do disrupt everything and needs resolving, which I completely agree with. Um, FPL Frenchie said good performances from Rennes, disappointing result though, wouldn't be surprised if they end up with one point, Marseille can finish third and Paris top two, all as expected. Again, hard to disagree. And um, PG Nez made the point about uh, should Marseille and PSG fans really rejoice in each other's failures in Europe as Ligue 1 gets as hard time as it is with people calling it the Farmers League, etc. I want Mar I want OM to, to lose every league game, but I'm conflicted when it's in Europe. I know that reinforces that view because obviously he follows PSG. And yeah, I don't know about you guys, but for me, um, I only back my own club in Europe um, and I don't support other English teams in Europe. I mean, why would I? But when it comes to the French teams, I like to see them do well. So I'm, I'm an absolute fraud as well. <laughs> um, I'm, but, yeah. I'm exactly the same and I feel... Again, this is another thing that con in the build-up to the Champions League final was constantly, I mm. saw so much in French media. Oh, why can't we be like the British at everyone supporting all the teams? Oh, fuck off. They don't do that in England okay. at all. Yeah, maybe fish the official line on, on BT Sport is that, but fans certainly don't. It's ridiculous. And especially no. nowadays when it's not like there's any barely any locals anyway and there's no likable other teams in well, england I think for me <laughs> I, I i admit that i do like the teams of my league to do well but that's possibly because i support a team that hasn't you know, yeah that 2012 13 season aside which didn't end well yeah. um it's not really an issue so it's, and i it's, do like seeing you know but certain other random teams, like ironically Olympiacos, who were one of the teams that crapped all over Montpellier back in in that um, uh, Champions League season, I got quite a soft spot for because they just seemed so enthusiastic. Uh, I think that's mostly the fans I'm talking about, which was a hell of a surprise for the Mosson faithful when they discovered an entire all of uh, red and white striped people with various musical instruments screaming their lungs out you know it's it's exciting so yeah. i i support all manner of different teams at this stage and i like seeing little the little ones do well so uh, that's why i usually do the europa league stuff <laughs> yeah. uh, which we have this evening nice are playing by leverkusen in the early round of games and Lille are away at Prague um, in the late game, so you can watch both of those, both of which I think should be good games. So maybe Thursday will be our <laughs> cheerful night. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a happy place. Yes. We can but hope. I will be uh, keeping in touch with Nice whilst watching Arsenal. Um, it is 2020, of course. Somebody tweeted me the other day and said, how the hell can you tweet about Lorient when you're an Arsenal fan? I rest my case. Um, yes, but good luck to those two teams. As you say, Prague against Lille also uh, will be later on this evening. And in terms of next weekend's action, which we, of course, will... Sorry, this weekend's action, which we'll, of course, cover next week's pod. We've got uh, Rennes against Angers. It's the Friday game. Lorient-Marseille, obviously the biggest game of the weekend, on Saturday at four o'clock. 
PSG Dijon is eight o'clock Saturday. Lens against uh, Lens against Nantes, sorry, on Sunday, twelve p.m. UK is all UK times. Bordeaux Nîmes is two o'clock, as is Brest Strasbourg, as is Metz and Etienne, as is Montpellier Reims, and the four o'clock game Nice v Lille. All jokes aside, that's probably uh, one of the big two of the weekend, as is the final game of the weekend, which is Lyon hosting Monaco, which uh, hopefully based upon the last few games uh, against the, the two teams clashing, should be a decent watch. We'll, of course, cover those next week, as well as uh, Champions League action again. I think it's back already again next week, so we'll have some games to cover there. And uh, and if we can if we can find the time, we will, of course, discuss, uh, or at least give a nudge to Nice and Lille's games tonight. But that is all we've got time for today. Um, thank you to those who've uh, tweeted us some questions and some points. Much appreciated. Thank you to you guys and girls. And uh, thank you to Phil and thank you to Jez for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. And as I say, we'll be back next week, at pro- probably around the same time. But obviously, as usual, stay tuned to the socials. We'll let you know. If you've got any questions, give us a shout in advance. Uh, until next week, whether it's European or domestic, enjoy your French football. And we'll speak to you very soon.